Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Coach the Coach Radio. Brought to you by the Business Radio X Ambassador Program, the no-cost business development strategy for coaches who want to spend more time serving local business clients and less time selling them. Go to brxambassador.com to learn more. Now, here's your host. Lee Cantor here, another episode of Coach the Coach Radio, and this is going to be a good one. Today we have with us Ronnie Shoemaker with Coach Shoe Incorporated. Welcome, Ronnie. Uh, thank you very much, Lee. I'm excited to be here. Well, I am excited to learn what you're up to. I am a big fan of leadership coaching, and I think it's so important in today's world. Tell us about your practice. How are you serving folks? Yeah, uh, again, great question. So uh, I'm in I'm in Dayton, Ohio, the great Midwest, and uh, I am a franchisee and a coach with intelligent leadership executive coaching is the main thing that I do through my corporation of Coach Shoeing. So I am providing leadership training to executives from the C-suite down to emerging leaders. So um, how'd you get into this line of work? What's your backstory? So I've got uh, 40 years in leadership, the last 21 or 22 years in healthcare administration leadership. Uh, I started in healthcare in 99 as a a, uh, chief financial officer, worked my way up as a COO of a hospital, a physician-owned surgical hospital here in my hometown in Ohio, and have served in many roles, CEO, CFO, COO, in healthcare over the last 20 some years, working with a lot of, uh, a lot of physicians and, and leaders in hospitals and physician practices. So let's talk a little bit in a macro level about leadership in general. Um, do you find that leaders are born or are they made? Uh, what's your take on that? I, I think leaders are born with some, with some God given ability, but they're made through uh, trial and error. They're made through working with coaches. They're made with working with their staff and other leaders to get feedback on their strengths and their gaps and their weaknesses. So it's a little bit of both. I think we have the ability. We just need some help. A lot of times leaders do and taking that ability and uh, using it better, using uh, the strengths to it to experience a better leadership role for them and their staffs. Now, do you feel that if you took a random person, you'd be able to uh, help them become a better leader? I'm not saying they'd be the greatest leader of all time, but they would just kind of maximize their abilities? Absolutely. I think everybody has some type of leadership ability within them in their inner core, as we like to refer to at ILEC. And as a coach, I have the the, the assessments and the tools and the training, and the ability to, to look, have them look in a vulnerable type of state inside and, and highlight through different tools and assessments what their leadership abilities are. Uh, again, they need to be vulnerable. And then take those those strengths that we identify and put together a, a development plan, an individual individual leadership development plan to to highlight and strengthen those leadership skills that we have inside us. So yeah, I think everybody's got leadership skills, some more than others. Some want to exhibit them and explore them more than others, and that comes with your personality. But I think we all go we all have some type of leadership abilities. Now, when you're working with an organization, um, are you sometimes tasked with hey fix Bill, uh, when Bill may not think there's anything wrong with him. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't like the terminology of fixing. Uh, I don't think as a coach we want to take on the the, the responsibility of fixing somebody. Uh, what we what I do as a coach is is work with the client 
both asking the client to be vulnerable and me as a coach to be vulnerable with my experience and uh, identify again those inner core strengths that they've got, get feedback from their staff, from their stakeholders, and, and figure out a way not to necessarily, as you say, fix the leader, but identify ways to make them a better and stronger leader. Now, you use the word vulnerable several times. I'm sure that's not by accident. Um, in order for this to be effective or coaching, I guess, in any uh, situation to be effective, it takes some level of self-awareness and humbleness and openness and kind of, um, you know, the person you're working with raising their hand to say that I want to change. Um, how do you kind of assess whether the person is saying, you know, they, they want to change, but really meaning they want to change? Yeah, vulnerability is key for the client and, and for me as a coach. Uh, through just building a, a personal relationship, I spent a lot of time before we really even dive into the actual coaching journey uh, of, of forming a relationship with the, with the potential client, uh, making sure they understand that uh, this is a journey, it's not a quick fix, and if for it to be successful, they have to be vulnerable. We get feedback. Uh, we get feedback from many stakeholders during this journey, whether it's their coworkers, whether it's the people that report to them, whether it's the people that they report to, and we get honest feedback from from those folks. So what what I urge them is we're going to find out one way or the other, and when we ask for positive and negative feedback. Uh, that they need to be receptive enough to hear it because everybody should be on the same page of making this leader a better leader and not as a personal attack. And as a coach, I'm vulnerable as well. I let them know my failures as a business person, what I've learned, and share with them any, any, of, the, any of the failures and the successes that I've, that I've experienced as a leader as well. Now, talking about a little bit back onto your journey, um, having as much experience as you had at the executive leadership level, um, why was it a, why'd you choose to go the franchisee route rather than just kind of uh, Ronnie's own consultancy route? Well, what ILEC brings to the table is a proven set of tools and assessments and training. Uh, part of part of what I like about the franchise is in, in any way in coaching, there's a there's an arts and a science to it. So the franchise provides the science part of it, and I provide the art part of it. I provide my personality, my story, my background, but I have a set, a proven set of tools through assessments, uh, development plans, core purpose exercises that allow me to use a proven set of tools, proven over 12,000 individual leaders over, over the, uh, the entire world that we've, that we've studied over the last 10 to 20 years. So I've used those tools. So that's why I went the franchise. If I went out on my own, I would be having to redevelop or recreate the wheel. And I didn't feel like there was a need for me to recreate something that was also already successfully proven. Now, when you um, went out on your own, did you immediately go into franchising or did you give it a go as an independent? No, I went I went straight into straight into franchising about 13 months ago. Wow. So then this was kind of part of your roadmap when you were figuring out what your next stage would be was to kind of join this team. Well, when, when I was when I was 50 years old, I decided that 10 years later, when I turned 60, I wanted to be working for myself. Uh, I turned 63 days prior to signing my franchise agreement last summer. Uh, I, I did not know at that time if I wanted to go out strictly on my own or, or be a franchisee in a proven uh, company. 
through some uh, uh, discovery process and working with some business coaches, uh, this opportunity, along with a couple of other opportunities, were presented to me. And I felt like with my background, my desire, I've mentored a lot of a lot of young business people in my career. I've spoke on leadership and management to a lot of different uh, professional organizations. So I thought this was a perfect uh, example, perfect time. And with COVID and, and many other jobs not out there because of the COVID pandemic and, and people's budgets being tighter, I just thought it was a perfect time to, to jump in feet first in the franchise uh, world and be able to, again, to use the arts of who I am and my background to, to do executive coaching. Now, a lot of your background was in healthcare. Is that where you're spending your time coaching now, or are you kind of industry agnostic at this point? Well, I can be industry agnostic, but I am focusing on my contacts in the healthcare world and in the nonprofit world in my in my uh, community, and not just in uh, Midwest of Ohio, but all over Indiana, Kentucky. I have con- connections in Tennessee. I'm working with North Carolina. Uh, and, and with our with our franchise, we have 12 coaches throughout the country. So we rely on each other's input and working together. So healthcare and nonprofit is my focal point, but it's not my only focus. So what is the challenges that your potential clients are having um, where you're a good fit to help them get through the whatever that challenge is or maybe take their business to a new level? So you know, the, the pandemic COVID has, has presented a lot of challenges that 15 months ago, nobody even knew was coming, let alone be prepared. Uh, some of my clients I'm working with now, one is an emerging leader whose uh, uh, company is owns a, a num- another uh, other types of franchise franchise companies, and they're expanding and they want this individual to, to get some leadership training so that uh, she will be better prepared to deal with the expansion in their business, more locations. I'm working with a, a, a physician who uh, hired a new a new manager that needed some leadership training on not on the healthcare side itself as far as the billing and, and what comes in running a practice, but working with people, working with the staff, working with the physician, and uh, so that's that's what we're looking at. Is there's it's a new world out here with with post COVID. People aren't going back to work in the healthcare uh, in the healthcare arena. There's a lot of now telehealth medicine. So there's different uh, leadership skills needed and communication skills needed when you're talking to a patient over a, a Zoom call versus seeing them face-to-face in the exam room. So just helping that leader have a sounding board in myself, having somebody with 20 plus years in healthcare, look at new and different ways. Uh, my, my master's degree is in management, innovation, and change. So I think with my experience, my education, I can help leaders at the day look at the changes that have been forced on them through COVID and look at, have them look at a different ways to attack maybe the same problems, but to look at it a different way. Now, um, I would imagine, like you mentioned, that since the world has kind of gone remote and is accepting of this new kind of uh, remote communications and remote uh, interactions with their service providers, that it's a challenge for a lot of folks to maintain that um, culture that they had previously when everybody was in the same location and they can see people and shake their hand and hug them and, and interact with them face to face. How do you help uh, your clients kind of maintain a culture? I'm sure it has to be tweaked a little bit. It can't be the same exact culture, but I would imagine the big why and the mission can't really change that much, but maybe the execution on how they uh, interact and communicate has to be adjusted. 
league, the, the change in culture right now is probably our, our biggest opportunity because it's the biggest challenge because of, of COVID. I, I have friends that uh, work, work in the healthcare world on the insurance side who went home in March of last year to start working from home and have been told they may come back in January of 2022. They may not come back at all. And this is a large, large uh, insurance company. The, the, the relationship building, a lot of them, if you've already got those relationships pre-COVID, they're a little bit easier to maintain, especially as the world's loosening up a little bit with some of the, some of the constraints we have. It's really tough when you hire a new person and you've never met them in person. So what I tell my leaders that I'm working with my managers is they've got to be able to spend some time, whether it's on the phone or on the Zoom or Teams or whatever, and asking personal questions about that employee and their family, not just about what can you bring to me to make to make you a good employee, but what can we do to form this relationship? Because people strive and, and, and yearn for that opportunity to walk down the hallway, like you say, with a cup of coffee and drop in a coworker's office and say, hey, let's talk about this little problem I got. You've got to create that personal relationship, at least in my belief. You've got to create that personal relationship first and foremost so that your staff, whether it's a coworker or somebody that reports to you, is willing to be vulnerable and open up and say, here's the problem I'm having. So we need to be able to use technology the best we can and look for opportunities to get together face to face, whether it's at a coffee shop, whether it's, uh, you know, meeting them in the, in the literally I've had people meet in the parking lot of the grocery store because they ran into one another and then they're an hour later talking about what they've had to deal with at work. So it is a challenge. But again, it's, it's looking at different ways of doing things in a different uh, different world that we're in now. And it's uh, like you said, it's got to be done kind of intentionally and proactively. This is not something like I believe culture is something that's going to happen whether you work on it or not. Um, there's going to be a culture. So you might as well create some intention behind it and some and be mindful about how this is going to play out and carve out specific times where people can interact in this kind of you know, more casual way that maybe historically that wasn't the case. Yeah, Lee, you're 100% right. Every workplace has a culture, whether it's good or bad, they have a culture. And, and the leaders, in my opinion, the leaders are the ones that are responsible for setting the path to create a good culture. So for a leader to, like you say, to be intentional, it's easy to be intentional if you can walk down the hallway. It's a whole lot more difficult to be intentional in today's world so they do have to set out time. They do have to carve out time in their schedule and ask their staff to carve out time because you just can't drop in and have that conversation like it used to be. So, again, to me, all the responsibility is on the leader and the leadership team to create the culture that wants people to continue to, to come to work on a daily basis, even if coming to work is walking from their kitchen to their office in their condo like I'm doing today and talking with somebody on the phone. Now, when you're working with a leader uh, about this, is this something that's like an aha moment for them that they're like, look, I got a million things on my plate. This is now just one more thing that I got to deal with. Or is this something that they're like, "Okay, I know this is important. I got to really lean into this in order to really grow my company and really serve my uh, people. Uh, It's not an overnight. It's not a quick fix. It's not a it's not a ha ha. They may they may realize they may get a, a hint or an indication that it's important, but it's a, it's a process of, of, again, being vulnerable, having conversations uh, with their coworkers and with the people that the stakeholders that they report to, and then setting a plan or a process in place, developing a plan to identify the new hurdles we have in today's workplace 
and, and get feedback on how, how this works best. One of my management styles is if I've got 10 people that report to me, it's important for me to understand how those 10 individuals are wired, how they communicate, how they work, uh, and, and then for me to react accordingly based on who I'm talking to. So if I've got an employee that works best at eight o'clock in the morning, uh, I want to be on the phone with that employee at eight o'clock in the morning, whether I work best at eight or eight, eight o'clock or not, which I do. I work better at 6 a.m. than I do at 6 p.m. So it's the effort that the leader must take to make themselves accessible and vulnerable to their staff as well. Well, uh, Ronnie, what has been the most rewarding part of this adventure, this new chapter in your career uh, thus far? Uh, seeing a successful seeing a successful journey, working with clients and learning more about them. I've had a couple clients that I already had a personal relationship with. I've had clients that I did not know prior to. And seeing success, seeing uh, them come back to me when I meet with them on a weekly or, or every other week basis and say, you know what, this worked. And, and I, I felt I felt a win, a small win is better than no win at all. And I can walk out of out of that meeting no matter where it's at. Uh, confident that what I was able to bring to the table to help them was successful because it's all about helping each other. It's all about forming those relationships and having them be successful. I've mentored a number of young uh, business people to see where they're staying. And I have one that I can think of to see where he's at now, uh, eight years later. It's not because necessarily what I've done, but because he's opened himself up to input from a lot of different people in our community. That's what makes me happy and makes me want to continue doing what I'm doing. Now, any advice for other people that were maybe going through that transition that you went through working for a large corporate entity and now kind of um, carving your own path? Any advice for them on how to kind of smooth that learning curve? Yeah, uh, be vulnerable and ask a lot of questions. Uh, when I went into this, I reached out to a number of other franchise owners, but not in coaching, but in different different industries. I reached out to people that I worked with in the healthcare industry that I that I respected their input, and I asked them for in my family. And I asked them for honest input on what they thought if I if I could be successful doing this. So anybody that is in healthcare, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of coaches out there. We all can differentiate ourselves from one another. Ask for honest feedback before you make before you dive in feet feet first, uh, and that's what I would suggest. Is not everybody is necessarily cut out to be a coach and you may think you are. And I think you need honest input from those people around you that know you personally and professionally ask for their honest feedback before you make that decision. Well, congratulations on all the success. If somebody wants to connect with you um, and maybe uh, have a conversation, what is the best way to do that? So you can reach me through my website, which is Ronnie or you can reach me. You can you can reach me on my cell phone, uh, which is nine three seven nine two five five zero zero five. And either way, I'll be be, be glad to take your call. Uh, you can reach me through an email through my website. So that's probably the best the best two ways. And that's r o n n y s h u m a k e r dot com. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. You're doing important work, and we appreciate you. Well, Lee, I appreciate the opportunity to be speaking with you today. All right, this is Lee Cantor. We'll see you all next time on Coach the Coach Radio. 